0: Now, as I'm picking up my Bible, you can go to yours and I'll be reading from Luke chapter 18, verses 1 to 17. So that was Luke 18, verses 1 to 17. First of all, I'm just going to pray from this little passage from Ephesians just to get us ready as we hear God's word. I keep asking that God, our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. So Lord, just prepare our hearts as we read your word and for Dave as he brings it to us. Amen. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, Yet, because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And as we so beautifully heard earlier, I'm just going to repeat the little children and Jesus' verses. People were also bringing babies to Jesus to place his hands on them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the little children to him and said, That the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you the truth anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it.
1: Thank you, Stephen Tracy. Good morning, everyone. Lovely to see you all. Really excited to open up God's Word. So, um, if you're not with us regularly, where we work our way through a book of the Bible, we're looking at Luke's Gospel, uh, and we're at the point where Jesus has turned his face towards Jerusalem, uh, and he's going there knowing that what awaits him is humiliation and rejection and suffering, and ultimately death on the cross. Uh, and over the next couple of months, as we head towards Easter, we'll be following that journey of Jesus. Uh, all the way up to his death and resurrection. Um, but uh, yeah, just to set things uh, up as an introduction, uh, like we've had a long summer of sport, uh, as we always do. As the Australian Open comes to an end, it's kind of like a bit of grief for me because you know it's coming to the end of uh, our season of sport. But uh, 20 years ago, let me tell you something happened 20 years ago. The Ashes, right? So this is cricket matches between Australia and England. Uh, fierce rivalry. The Boxing Day Test match in 2002. final innings, Australia only needed 107 sorry, yeah, Australia only needed 107 to take the match. Uh, so they walk out to bat, uh, They lose a few early wickets, so they're down to three for 66, And in comes Stephen War, Australia's captain, to bat you know, one of our great batsmen. Now, the English fans, they're called the Barmy Army, so they're shouting, cheering, you know, they've got their songs and everything, so the noise is deafening. The English bowler, Steve Harmison, comes down, bowls. Um, Steve plays at the ball, gets a nick. It's caught behind. He should have been out. But none of the English fielders heard the nick. The noise was so deafening And so none of them appealed, and it's a strange rule of cricket that unless the feeling side appeals, you know how they go, how's that? That's actually a question. How is that? Or how is he? Uh, So unless the feeling side asks a question, the umpire can't give the batsman out. Uh, And so Steve Ward just kept on batting. Uh, he He knew he'd nicked it. The umpire suspected, the replays certainly showed that to be the case, but unless a player asks the question, they can't be given out. And Australia went on to win the match, Uh, and we don't care how we win, no, we do, we do. Um, Underarm bowling is out, all right, no more of that. Now, today, our Heavenly Father will encourage us to pray. He wants his children to cry out to him in prayer. Uh, And he urges us, he wants us to bring our right requests to him. Um, But sometimes, look at what James chapter 4 says, sometimes you do not have because you do not ask God. Wouldn't that be a tragedy if here we are, the children of God, access to the God of the universe, uh, and yet there are things we don't have simply because we don't bring our requests to God in prayer. Uh, My prayer is that that wouldn't be the case for us. And it's not like God's, you know, it's, it's not like there are strange rules in approaching God, like there are in the rules of cricket. It's just that he's our heavenly father, and he loves his children to show humble, persistent dependence on him in prayer. He loves us to express our relationship with him by asking him. So really, um, like uh, it's, it's simple but profound today, these words from Jesus. Uh, and I've kind of summarized it under three headings about prayer. Persistent, humble, and dependent prayer. So if you've got your Bibles, open up to Luke chapter 18. And uh, we're going to begin with persistent prayer. Luke 18 verse 1, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up, persistent prayer. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. Now, that's a bad situation if you're looking for justice, isn't it? To have a godless judge, the guy who's meant to bring you justice is godless, so he doesn't care what God thinks. But he also doesn't care about people either or what they think. Um, And so you could be tempted to despair in this situation. Verse 3, there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice from my adversary. And you think, well, what possible hope does she have? A poor widow with this godless, uncaring judge who just doesn't care? What hope does she have? Well, verse 4, for some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see she gets justice, so she won't eventually come and attack me. So you can see the judge, who doesn't care about God or people, he gives justice, he, he, he gives into the request of this woman, not because he's in the slightestly you know, concerned about her. It's just that he just doesn't want to bothering him anymore. Uh, he doesn't want to be persistently nagged and harassed. So he, he brings justice. Verse 6, Jesus said, Listen to what the unjust judge says, and will not God... Bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night. Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. So what's the point of this parable? Well, the point is not that we have to keep badgering and nagging God until he reluctantly caves into our requests. That's, that's not the point of this parable. Um, no, the point of the parable is a contrast, and that is God is not like this judge, right? The judge doesn't care about God; he doesn't care about people, whereas God cares deeply. And if the judge will bring justice reluctantly, how much more will God, the God who loves us, bring justice and answer? Our requests. Um, Persistent prayer doesn't mean that we nag God until he reluctantly gives in. Uh, So, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, just let me um, tell you about what happens there. The Apostle Paul had this affliction. Uh, He calls it a thorn in his flesh that causes him grief and suffering. Uh, And he tells us that three times. He prayed to God for God to remove this affliction. And then he he realized that God was teaching him a lesson. That God was actually using this incident to build his faith. Uh, And God's answer was not what Paul had kind of expected. But God's answer was, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power... God said, is made perfect in weakness. Uh, And so in the midst of his affliction, Paul learnt humble dependence on God and to recognise when I am weak, it actually highlights God's strength and it makes me depend on him all the more and depend on his grace day by day. Sometimes God doesn't answer our prayer in the way we want or the way we expect But we can trust him because he is our loving heavenly father. He knows what is best and he will do what is best for us. So persistent prayer doesn't mean we nag God. Persistent prayer means we constantly bring our requests to him. And we don't give up doing that. We cast our cares on him. In fact, we are commanded as God's children to cast all your cares on him. Fully confident that he is willing and able to help us in our time of need. So, let's pray, hey? Here's an invitation to persist in prayer. Uh, And so I want you to take a moment and reflect on your life right now. Just think of one thing. Maybe a number of things come to mind, but is there one thing that you are anxious about at the moment? Is there one thing that you that is kind of keeping you up at night, or just uh, just one thing that yeah just makes your heart anxious, or is there one thing that you are striving for now i don 't want to encourage you about you know just self centered godless things, but is there a good right thing that you are striving for that you are hoping for now Have you brought those things to your heavenly father? Um, Or have you actually been trying to deal with them on your own? If you're a follower of Jesus, God is your loving heavenly father. He loves you. He cares for you. And he is willing and able to help you in your time of need. So so Jesus wants to... To encourage us. He almost pleads with us. Cast your cares on your heavenly father. Bring them to him. Let's be persistent in prayer firstly. Secondly is about humble prayer. This is verse 9. To some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else. Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee. The other, a tax collector. Now, as I've been looking at this story, I've realized I think the impact is a little bit lost on us Australians because we love the underdog so much. Don't we love the underdog as Aussies? Like Steve Bradbury, right? You know, everyone fell over in front of him and he won the ice skating r- and we just think, what a legend, Steve Bradbury. Uh, now, who here, put your hand up if you can trace your lineage. Backed to a convict heritage. Put your hand up. Now look at that. Isn't that interesting? Can anyone trace their lineage back to a bushranger? Even better, right? Uh, There we go, a couple. Wow. Now, interesting, in a lot of countries, if you were to put that out there, well, people try to hide the skeletons in their closet. You know, it's like that's a shameful thing from my past. But in Australia, it's like a badge of honour. I descended from convicts. I descended from a bush run. Look at Wayne Shard how proud <laughs> he is of the past. Um, and 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 don't you find as you watch the tennis, I've been watching the tennis this week, and I just go for the underdog, right? I, I just I'm just so drawn to the to the person that I don't expect to win. I just want them to win. It's something it's a it's part of my value system. And I think that's an Australian value system, yeah. Here's the thing most Aussies don't realise. The reason we love the underdog is because our value system has been profoundly shaped by the Lord Jesus. Right? And we don't even realise it. Most Aussies don't realise it. But when Jesus came into our world 2,000 years ago, it was a world of honour and shame. You know? And you wouldn't admit to the skeletons in your closet. You know, It's all about leaders who were proud and, and declared all their victories. And Jesus just came and flipped our world's value system on its head completely. And uniquely, there hadn't been anything like this in the ancient world up until this time. Blessed are the poor. Right? Just, just total, up, 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 you know, turning things upside down. Um, the greatest amongst you must be your servant. The last will be first. And then Jesus models it himself, doesn't he? By the great king comes amongst us and becomes a servant by dying on the cross. The cross itself, as a symbol of Christianity, is, well, in the Roman world, it was something that was so shameful. It wasn't even spoken about in polite company, crucifixion. And yet Christians took it on as a badge of honor. That our great king is the one who suffered and died for us. So, as we hear Jesus' story here, we need to try to place ourselves back in that first century context. And back in the first century, Pharisees were highly regarded. They were God-honoring people. In, In the eyes of others, they had devoted themselves to serving God. And they they read God's word and discussed it, and and, um, it was just evident to everyone that if you had a moral ladder, you know, closest to God, furthest away from God, the Pharisees were at the top, and the tax collectors were down the bottom, right? Tax collectors were those who may have been wealthy, but they had their wealth because they had exploited their fellow Jews. Uh, And they had gained their money basically by selling out as traitors to the Roman overlords. Uh, So if you had a moral ladder, tax collector down the bottom, Pharisee up the top, well, that's the setup of Jesus' story. And Jesus says, both these men come to the temple to pray, because that's what you did at the temple. You came to pray. You came to ask forgiveness from God. You came to worship God. Notice the Pharisee's prayer. So verse 11, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Uh, I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all I get. Now, this is not a model prayer. I'm so glad... Uh, Trey, uh, Stephen, Steve, wasn't it, no, didn't pray along these lines. Um, it's a strange prayer. Even as he prays, can you notice what he's doing? He's ranking himself on the moral ladder. And he's going, thank you, God, that I'm up here and I'm not like all those others down there, even this tax collector. Um, he doesn't ask for forgiveness because I don't really f- think he felt he needed forgiveness uh, he he had lots to boast before God. And so his prayer is dominated by one word. What's the one word? Me? Yeah, I. Me and I. Yeah. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all I get. Uh, prayer, by definition, the word prayer means ask. Uh, it, it's about bringing our requests to our Heavenly Father. But... um. But this guy, he's just bringing his achievements. I'm not like other people. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of everything. His prayer is about comparison and boasting. Then we hear the tax collector's prayer. The tax collector, verse 13, stood at a distance. He wouldn't even look up to heaven. There's just a, a shame and a heaviness that he carries as he comes into God's presence. He beat his breast and he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. There's no boasting, no comparing himself to others. This is just a broken man, isn't it? Too ashamed to even approach the presence of God, too ashamed to look up to heaven. And so he just has this simple, desperate request God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And then Jesus turns things upside down. Look at his words in verse 14. I tell you, this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. Now, just to make sure we're, cl- we're tracking, the tax collector went home right with God that day and not the Pharisee. It's like, how did that happen? Because uh, that's not the way anyone thought about these things. It's radical. And then Jesus goes on to explain, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. The guy you would assume had no chance with God, he, he walks away in right relationship with God that day. And the guy you assume is really close with God... You come to realize he is a long way from God. He is not right with God now now you may be here today all right. so some of you here today i don 't recognize you may be visiting us it 's wonderful uh, to have people come and join us and and uh, and hear god 's word with us. but you might have come in feeling like the tax collector because I know sometimes people come into our church and and and, and sometimes, if they're honest, they'll say to me, I just don't belong here. These are, these are good people, and I just don't belong. Now, don't be deceived, right? I know a lot of these people, right? <laughs> uh, and so, so uh, uh, anyway, I'm not even going to unpack that, right? But, so you might come in and say, I don't belong here. These are all good people. If they knew the things I had done, then there's no way... I would be accepted here. Now can you see from this story of Jesus that is how the tax collector felt as he came to the temple and he just he just didn't think he had a chance and yet he is the one who went home right with God. And if that happened to the tax collector then as you come to hear God's word even come into our church today You can go home, like the tax collector, right with God. Sin's forgiven. Uh, it's It's an amazing thing because being right with God is not about our achievements and the things we've done. Being right with God is about humbly coming before him and asking his forgiveness. And God loves to forgive. As I said right at the start, at this point in... Luke's gospel, this is where we are. So Jesus, it's in the final weeks of his life. He's turned his face towards Jerusalem. He knows that he's going there to suffer and be humiliated and rejected. The king of the universe comes amongst us knowing that he must suffer and die. But he didn't do it randomly or meaninglessly for no purpose He came and suffered and died for our forgiveness as the perfect sacrifice in our place. And what it means is that now forgiveness is available to everyone who asks for it. Just a simple prayer. And I'm going to pray that prayer in a little while. That simple prayer, God have mercy on me, a sinner. Um, And my hope is that all of us will be able to echo the words in our own hearts. Because all of us approach from that starting point, I'm a sinner and my only hope is the mercy of God. And it's a prayer that God loves to answer. Now, for all of us who are regular here at church, I just want to call on us to resist the temptation to become proud. Um, Like this Pharisee, Let's not be like the Pharisee, all into comparison and boasting. Um, it is true, God is changing us. Right? So we come to God broken and undeserving, and God does work changes in us. But every change God works in our hearts, we give Him the thanks and honour for that. We don't take personal pride in it, we're thankful. But we say, thank you, God, for the work you're doing in my heart. Uh, And we never come before God with pride as if we've earned the privilege. We come with humility, recognizing that it is his grace alone that qualifies us for a relationship with him. And, And we never graduate from that starting point. I just want to tell you a great story from American baseball. It does have relevance, so uh, you, but you'll have to listen. So in 1890, the professional baseballers went on strike. Um, the baseball clubs responded um, by... They just thought, we're just going to press on. So they recruited amateurs to play in the major leagues. So you had this situation where, like a guy who was, who was a banking teller, uh, you know, the next day becomes a New York Yankee overnight. Uh, you know, a brickies labourer is playing for the Cardinals, a doctor playing for the Boston Red Sox, um, ordinary people like you and me playing in the major leagues. Right? It's, it's like the Australian Open saying, "Hey, we're we're short of players. Do you want to be a wild card? I'd I'd be there. I'd st- I'd step up, have a crack. Um, now, these guys knew they weren't good enough." To play, they knew that they kind of haven't hadn't earned the right, uh, but they loved it, and they revelled in the opportunity. They counted they counted it a privilege to pull on their team colours and to go and represent their team. You know, the Boston Red Sox, uh, and uh, and, so, and so they worked hard. They did the best they could, but. There was something different about their whole approach to the game. The groundsmen noticed it. The umpires noticed it. These men loved playing. They were courteous, thankful, and above all, humble. Because they knew they didn't deserve such a privilege, but they reveled in the opportunity all the same. Now that ought to be our attitude to prayer God is the awesome ruler of this universe like the tax collector we come into his presence completely undeserving you know it's it's not like we can say i've i've now earned the right through my deeds no we're undeserving yet full jesus th- sorry through jesus we're given full access no no barrier ...to approaching the throne of God. We are, in fact, called the sons of the living God... ...and he loves to hear and answer our prayers. Now, how good is that? It is pure grace. And I just want you to reflect on your own life for a moment. I want you to reflect on your own prayer life. How how is your prayer life? Casting your cares... On your heavenly Father. Now, for some of us, it may well be that we have lost sight of the incredible privilege of prayer. Uh, You know, through Jesus, we have this unhindered access. The God who made the world by speaking has become our Father and loves us and longs to hear and answer our requests. Like those baseballers, we ought to revel in the opportunity to just go. This is this is a wonderful opportunity. I'm not going to miss it. I'm going to I'm going to enjoy it. Uh, that's what God wants us to do. And so, I'd, I I want to suggest if you've found that your prayer life has become dry and inconsistent, I, I just want to encourage you to. To come back and think what is prayer and, and the privilege that you have and don't take it for granted. Right? It, it, it's not a privilege that is available to everyone. It's only ours through the work of Jesus on our, on our behalf that we come before the God of the universe as our heavenly father. So let's, let's take hold of that privilege. Thirdly, I want to talk about dependent prayer. People were bringing babies to Jesus to have him place his hands on them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to himself and said, Let the little children come to me and don't hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Now, I, I, I searched the internet to find the cutest baby I could, and here, here he is. Uh, does anyone recognise this baby? This is my grandson, right? <laughs> uh, so, and, but honestly, he's just the cutest baby out there. Um, and uh, so this is him, uh, you know, about six months ago, just during the week, uh, they had a visit. So I think I've got another photo of me and him. Is there another one there? There are, oh, there we are, together this week. Um, now, what is it about little children that we ought to imitate? Because Jesus says there's something about little children that we grown-ups need to imitate if we are going to be in the kingdom of God. Is it just how cute and innocent they are? Joy, there's joy, trust. Yeah. I think trust is at the heart of so this is why I've called this point dependent prayer. Um, little children are dependent; they need help. They don't even question it. They don't. They don't. Jeremy doesn't come to me and say, "Look, I've earned this. You know, can you give it to me?" He just asks for things and he depends on me. Whereas the older you get, the more you feel like, "Well, you don't get something for nothing," and so I've got to kind of earn someone's favor. But if we don't approach God as dependent children, just recognizing it's utterly his grace, his fatherly kindness, um, it's a gift, uh, access to God that comes through Jesus. So, if you're a Christian, a follower of Jesus, you are a little child, dependent, utterly on your heavenly father and you are utterly precious to him and that ought to express itself in the way you pray your heavenly father asks you to bring your requests to him he delights in giving good things to his children Uh, so just brothers and sisters let's bring our requests to him persistently humbly dependently And just notice one other thing. Because God's children are so valuable to him, he wants us as his people to have a culture of including, welcoming and caring for little children. Did you see what he said? Let the little children come to me and don't hinder them. And we want to embrace that in our church. So it was lovely hearing a a bit of a focus on children earlier. Um, we We want the children of our church... The, children, the grandchildren of our church and of our region to know and love Jesus, to know God as their heavenly father, to be able to call on him dependently, persistently, humbly. Uh, I loved what Penny said. She said what, what they're doing in our... This is our preschool area. We're establishing foundational truths that we want our kids to lean into for the rest of their lives. Isn't that beautiful? Because it's not like we graduate from the truths we learn. So let let me do something with you. Let's sing a song together. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. You all know it. Little ones to him belong, they are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. That was beautiful, right? And you, re- you remembered that song. Uh, I noticed a couple of you, I had to stare at you to get you singing. But... Um, <laughs> Um, now, now so, so simple, and yet what do we do? We we complicate things, don't we? And we make out as if God's love is conditional. Or we start doubting God's love, and there are just these foundational truths that we just want to keep leaning into for our whole lives. Uh, so it's kind of same truths, but we need to just keep coming back to them and, and realise God does love me. Even when it's not obvious how this situation is working for my good, I know that Jesus loves me in the midst of it. God loves me because the Bible tells me so, and I can trust him in the midst of it. Um, I, want, I want to wrap things up, uh, I, and, and I'm going to get us to pray Um in the quietness of your own heart in just a moment. But I started with the ashes test, where no one appealed, and so the batter was not out. Our Heavenly Father has called on us as His children today to cast our cares on Him. Um, Wouldn't it be awful if this verse was true of us? You do not have because you do not ask God. Let's not let that be the reason... That our Heavenly Father doesn't shower us with His kindness. Our, our refusal or our ignoring Him, uh, coming to Him in prayer. He delights in giving good gifts to His children. Uh, he wants us to pray humbly, dependently, persistently. Now, how will those truths impact your prayer life this week? Uh, what sort of changes... Do you need to make to your prayer life so that you so there's a persistence, a humility, a dependency? Uh, and I want you to think about this week and this year. That's a good starting point, and then we can get to the rest of our lives, you know, later on. But this week, this year, how will the truths of God as our heavenly Father and His His caring kindness to us as His little children Let's, let's resolve to make 2023 a year of prayer where we actually, those things we're anxious about or those things that we long for, that we know are good things, let's cast those things on our Heavenly Father and watch and take note when he answers our prayers and remember to give him thanks for his kindness to us. So we're going to spend some time in prayer right now. And we're going to begin with that short but effective prayer of the tax collector. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I'm going to ask you to echo those words in the quietness of your own heart to God. So if you want to close your eyes. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. God, our Father, we are sorry for our sin. When we're honest with ourselves, we know we need your forgiveness. Thank you that Jesus died to wash us clean and bring us into your family. Have mercy on us, just as you promise you will do through the Lord Jesus. Now, I want to ask each one of us to take a moment to reflect on those things that came to mind before, things that you might be anxious about or good things that you are hoping for or striving for, and bring those things to God in the quietness of your own heart. our Father, just as you command us to, so we cast all our cares on you. We're so sorry that we so often try to go it alone and ignore your fatherly care. Please change our hearts. Enable us to bring our prayers to you, our requests to you daily, to pray persistently, humbly, as your dependent but precious children. Give us eyes to see you answering our prayers. And so give us thankfulness uh, to, to give you thanks and praise. And we pray especially for the next generation. May our children and our grandchildren and the children of this region, may they know the wonder of your love through the Lord Jesus. We pray that you'll grant success to our endeavours to pass on the good news of Jesus to the next generation. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.